When I pastored large churches over the years, we always uh, tried to have something special on special Sundays, such as Thanksgiving and Father's Day and Mother's Day and so on. And one of the uh, special opportunities was to have testimonies from congregants as it relates to what the Lord is doing in their respective lives and in their respective, of course, their discipline. As And, of course, this morning, as it relates to being a mom. And it's an opportunity to reflect on Sunday school teachers and pay tribute to them. Also, uh, children's church workers and youth workers and uh, elders and pastors as it relates to all of the teaching and nurture and comments that have created strength and conviction in the lives of of people who would serve and the opportunity given to them as far as testimony is concerned. And this morning we have two women who are going to give us testimonies as being a mom. And we're in for a blessing. Uh, the first service this morning was a great opportunity as the ladies, of course, shared their, from their hearts the significance of being a mom. So this morning we want to celebrate uh, Mother's Day. We also want everybody to celebrate uh, ongoing ministry of the church, but in particular these two testimonies. Jeanette Paradis is our first speaker, followed uh, secondly by Luetta Cross as she makes comments to us as well. Fire away. Bless you. It's been great talking to these ladies this last week or so. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Dave. It was fun talking with you, too. Um, My name is Jeanette Paradis, and I am mostly a stay-at-home mom. I have two little ones. Our daughter is three, and our son recently had his first birthday. And my husband is Sean, and he's a great guy. And I'm so happy to have my mom and dad here today for Mother's Day. So that's extra special. But um, when I was asked to share a little bit about God's grace and faithfulness to me as a mother, I thought of a few different things. Um, I think of God's grace every day because I rely on it every day. (laughs) But um, when I realized I was about to become a mom, obviously I had some time to prepare, um, being pregnant and knowing I was going to be a mom, I realized that I sort of had this daydream fantasy world of being a stay-at-home mom where you baked cookies and went to the park and you know, tucked kids in at night and maybe once in a while put a Band-Aid on a scraped knee. And I thought, oh, that's just going to be so wonderful. I can do that. And then, <laughs> you know, I had always heard people say that it was one of the most challenging jobs. But I kind of thought that was kind of goofy because really how hard could those job requirements be? You know, we could handle that. Well, then I realized that why it's so hard is because every day you have to face yourself and your own selfishness and you don't always want to do what the kids need you to do and they rely on you you're their mom but you might want to do something yourself which is important to do things yourself sometimes but obviously we can't go through the whole day doing things ourselves I thought that being at home it would be like being your own boss well then I realized it's kind of like the kids are your boss but 
you know that's not how it's supposed to be. Because, you know, if in the normal working world, if you have an irritating coworker or maybe just a, a wildly inconsistent, hard-to-understand boss, you don't enjoy your job. So if you think of your kids as your boss and it's a wildly inconsistent toddler with moods that are hard to understand, you're not going to enjoy your job very much. So, and if you think you're your own boss in the middle of all that, then you're not going to be happy either because your day is not going to go the way you planned. So I realized that really it's God is my boss and I'm, you know, working for him. Of course, I have my husband as the head of our household, but he's at work most of the day and it's really, you know, the Lord that I need to rely on. And the way that I see God's grace to me as a mother is in my friendships. Um, the MOPS program here has really just been a lifeline to me. I have so many wonderful friends from that. Uh, I see God's grace to me and my family members, knowing I can always call my own mom or a sister. But really, I see God's grace to me each day when I take the time to stop and open my Bible. And it doesn't, you know, have to be where you have two hours to devote to some, you know, college-level study. What's really important is that if you have five quiet minutes, even if they're not so quiet, but if you could find another room where it's quiet for five minutes and just pray and say, God, I need your grace in this situation. I have five minutes to read the Bible and I want to be able to take something from that that will change me and change my perspective on today. And when I was first asked about sharing in this service a month or so ago, what I had just read the day before was one of those little snippets of scripture that really stays with you. And that is from Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, which says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And it's so simple, and, and we can think, Oh, poor me, I have to take care of these crabby children. It's such a sacrifice. I'm giving up of myself. But rather, if we can go about our daily routine being motivated to please God and honor Him, not forgetting to do good and remembering to share with others, that is a sacrifice that pleases God when it comes from our heart. And continually offering to Him praise from our lips and being thankful as we go about our daily routines. That is where I keep my focus of God's grace to me as a mother, to remember, you know, those sort of things. And also to remember that we know that God loves a cheerful giver, not just, you know, in finances and tithes, but God loves a cheerful giver. And I oftentimes pray and say, God, help me to be a cheerful giver from my heart of myself to my children and my husband. I, you know, want to be a cheerful wife and mother. It's something I work on. So that's an area I can see God's grace and faithfulness. And I had something happen last week where probably many of you who have young children or had young children at one point could relate with this experience. I was taking both kids to Target. And we just moved, so I had kind of a long list of things I needed to get. So... You know, that's like starting a stressful situation, going to the store with both kids with a long list of things. Um, this sounds kind of silly, but at Wegmans, they have car carts and bench carts. 
And you can put the little one in the seat and put the bigger one in a separate area, buckled in. And then you can drive the cart through the store. But when you go to the store like Target and there's no real place for the medium-sized three-year-old kid to sit, they have to follow you through the store. And (laughs) some days that's a lot of fun and other days it's not. And um, my daughter, Kylie, who's three, she knows that she has to stay next to me and she has to stay where she can see me and I can see her because otherwise she's going to get put back in the cart for everyone's safety and sanity. The problem then is that she's going to rifle through whatever I have in the cart and ask a million questions about it so that I have to put things underneath. And one time three things fell out from underneath and I got to the register and I didn't have what I started with in my cart. So anyway, it's, it's rather convoluted. But so going, you know, going and knowing that she has to walk beside me, it wasn't good that day. She ended up in the cart. I rearranged everything. And when we got home and had lunch and we always listened to a song before nap time. And that day we were listening to Trust and Obey. And Kylie always wants to know, what is the song about, and what does it mean? And I said, well, we need to be a good listener to God. And we need to understand that he's trying to keep us safe, and he's trying to protect us. But we have to listen. And I said, remember earlier when we were in Target, and you have to stay where you can see me? Otherwise, I'm going to put you back in the cart. I said, it's the same for us with God. If we... Don't stay where we can see him and keep in step with him. He's going to put us back in the cart. And that's, that's God's faithfulness to us because he wants to keep us safe. So sometimes we'll have events in our day where we end up getting put back in the cart. And we just have to say, thank you, God. I don't like this, but help me learn to be a good listener. So in the daily routine with a three-year-old, those are the things I see when I think of God and, and his faithfulness to me. Um, thinking of the verse, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, if you're going to go to Target and walk beside the cart, you got to stay next to it. Otherwise, you're going to get put back in. And a verse that's oftentimes a prayer of mine um, throughout my life, but especially as a mother, is Psalm 119. 36 and 37. And that says, Turn my heart towards your statues and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. And just like in Target, how there's so many things to look at for a three-year-old, in life for me as a mom, there's so many things to look at and so many things that can take my time. And I pray that God will turn my eyes away from the things that are worthless so that that way my life will be preserved according to his word and what I read and understand there. And I pray that God will turn my heart towards his statues and not towards my selfish gain because that's where I get into trouble if I'm not getting my way and getting what I want. I get frustrated with the people around me. But I pray that God in his grace and faithfulness will help me as a mother and a wife to keep my life headed in that direction. I just leaned over and said to my husband, how in the world do I follow that? (laughs) Actually, when I received the call, I understood that they were going to select two mothers from the congregation for each service, a younger one and an older one. (laughs) And I asked if I could be the younger one, but... (laughs) 
They said, let's rephrase that. Will you be the experienced mother for the morning? And I said, yes, I think I can do that. And this precious young lady is one of my gals that I mentor in MOPS, and I'm just so thrilled that God has allowed me that opportunity to have so many spiritual daughters in this church that your mom is here, I know, but I hope she won't mind if I just love on you from time to time. (laughs) God bless you. You have a beautiful daughter. (laughs) I would like to also share a little bit about my experiences in my life. I'm not pushing toddlers and carts anymore because even my grandsons have gotten too big for that. But I would like to just reflect it back in my life where it all started. First of all, I'd like to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, first which lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am now persuaded now lives in you also. These were Paul's words to Timothy. But down through the years, I've liked to reread that and reflect that those are words to me also. Because as the legacy of faith was handed down to me from my grandmother Lona through my mother Lillian and then to me, I claim that. And even though my grandmother raised me for a good part of my life, my mother in her middle years became a mighty prayer warrior and an intercessor, and I learned so much from her as well. If you're not a mother here this morning, perhaps you're an aunt that have nieces. And never fear, what you say or what you do will be a mighty impact upon their lives. For me, in my grandmother's home, I had two aunts around, one by the name of Aunt Sybil and one by the name of Aunt Dorothy. And I learned so much from these women, watching them in their homes by example. I saw them minister in encouragement, not to just their children, but to me. I saw them minister hospitality, making a bowl of soup taste like a piece of roast when you had company that you didn't know was coming. To love unconditionally when someone might let you down, love doesn't cease, but you go on no matter what comes because they are beloved. Also, they gave me the joy of creating a home for a family where the children could grow up knowing and being taught about Jesus Christ. So, even though I was raised in all that goodness, I was 15 years old before I finally knelt at an old-fashioned altar and accepted Christ as my Savior. I was baptized that same summer in an old muddy pond, and I remember wearing sneakers in because I was afraid of the frogs. But God still did the work in my heart anyway. And before that summer was out, I deeply sensed God's call upon my life to ministry. Although my family circumstances were not the best at that time, my parents were separated and problems were abounded, I started to work and later on was married. I did not get to go to college, to Bible college. I didn't get to become a certified or an ordained minister or an evangelist or a missionary. But God was still faithful. He gave me my very own congregation of three, Myra, Andrew, and John. All three of our children came into our lives. Well, I share that with my husband of almost 50 years, Leroy, who's sitting over there. However, we both were working very hard. He was working six days a week. He was not a Christian at the time, and I had been taught, don't be yoked together unequally with unbelievers. But even my grandma said, he's a good man. I'm going to start praying for him. Well, 
nevertheless, hundreds of miles from Grandma and in Iowa. We fell into that rut a lot of young couples fall into. If you work so hard, you feel like you deserve sleeping in on Sunday mornings. And it became just an excuse, I think, for doing that. When our daughter was born later and having a toddler, I really struggled with trying to go to church with her by myself when my husband slept in. So I fell also into the trap of it being so easy just to stay at home. A little over two years later, my first son, Andrew, was born. And at three and a half months, he came down with critical pneumonia. As soon as I rushed him to our family doctor, he took one look at him and placed him in the hospital. Back then in the 60s, they put them into oxygen tents, were kind of a foreboding-looking thing. And as my mother cared for my little toddler and my husband taking turns, I stayed at the hospital with my little son almost day and night, praying for him to get well. There was not a pastor I felt I could call because I felt ashamed slipping away from my own church. And so it was just God and I and ministering angels in that little hospital room. And I would pray for him. And I remember one night when we thought he, we might lose him, he was just not responding to things as he should have. And I would unzip the little tent from time to time to reach in to stroke him. But that particular night, I began to cry and pray all alone. But then I sensed I was not alone because God was there to meet me. And I prayed, oh God, don't take this child from me. If you will save my baby boy, I will go back to church, yes, with all both toddlers, even though my husband won't go, and I will raise them for you to serve you all the rest of their life. Well, God did answer that prayer, and I'm here to tell you by morning, his laborious breathing had changed, and by the next time that the doctor came in that morning, he said, it's just miraculously, when I saw him yesterday, just yesterday afternoon to this morning. And I told him we had had a visitor. I did take my toddlers back to church. And I started faithfully, even leaving my husband at home sleeping in the bed. I would clamor the cupboards and shut the refrigerator door real loud and zoom, zoom the car in the driveway so he would know that this was a gal with a mission. He was still more determined to dig in because he felt He needed his rest. Besides, wasn't church just for old women and children anyway? Well, the older ladies of the church, God bless them, took me under their wing, much like a hen with her baby chicks, and nurtured me. They even got me into women's ministries, and I was the youngest one there with all that gray hair. But that was the beginning of being loved by women and nurtured into the role of being a Christian and a godly mother that I so wanted to be. And the men of the church began to pray for my husband. And when you get that many men praying, there's also a lot of power, ladies. We don't just have a corner on intercessory prayer. And my husband began to show signs of interest when our children would say, Dad, listen to my Bible verse, or let me sing you this song. And slowly but surely, he began to go to church with us. He was not a Christian, as I said, still at that time, but I think he wanted to do what was right by his family. I waited until he came to church with me so we could dedicate our children 
to the Lord together. One night as the choir was singing and I was standing in the choir and I remember the song and I'm sure he does too. I'm a child of the king. I had an alto solo to sing, but I couldn't even get the words out because as I looked in the back, I saw tears running down my husband's cheeks and I knew God was dealing with him. And it wasn't long before I took my seat at the end of the service. The girl next to me, by the way, sang my solo. Because I, too, could not even speak. I had such a lump in my throat. And at the end of the service, he still says to this day, I pushed him out into the aisle and tripped him on his way to the altar. But I could not even get there fast enough to pray with him because by then, men of the church had surrounded him. And one in particular, a six-foot-four, 350-pound man who had been a Marine drill sergeant, and my husband had been a Marine, and I think he respected him. This was the young man who that big Marine cried like a baby for and prayed him through to accepting Christ as his Savior. He continued to mentor my husband for years to come. And in that respect, also, God led my husband into men's ministries, truly understanding the worth of one man praying for another. I've said all that. I was kind of hoping that Jeanette wouldn't be here and I could have the whole 20 minutes to tell you all these things from being a younger mother to the more experienced mother. But I know I have to condense it and close because our pastor has yet to bless us with words. But just let me shortly and very briefly condense what I found worked for us as a family trying to live for Christ and serving him together. I think there were three things, tops of my list, as I began to enumerate them. And it was prayer, prayer, and more prayer. Those three things have always taken precedent. We were always told to mothers, study your children. See how different they are. And certainly mine were. One daughter and two sons, completely different. But you're also supposed to look for their talents. They're giftings that God is bestowing upon them. Not particularly what you want them to do, but what God wants them to do. We spent much time around my piano singing, doing even programs as a family. But sooner or later, I soon found out who had good voices, who had the talents to write music, who had the talents to speak. And my daughter was a shrinking violet who just liked to stand in the back behind everybody and sing. She's still that way today. She's not an upfront person, but a wonderful Christian mother of twin boys who are now 20 years old. Before I could teach them more than a year of piano lesson, they went on to other things as well. There wasn't probably a giving night in our house when you didn't hear either a flute, an accordion, an electronic keyboard, two boys on the piano at the same time, or someone singing upstairs. My husband took the credit for all of that talent. It came from him, he said, because he paid for the lessons. (laughs) We tried to take part whatever they did. If they were in baseball games, we were there. They all were catchers, all three of them, because I'd ask God to keep them on their knees just as much as possible. If they were in the youth group, we have become youth group helpers and leaders. And I think that down through the years, the church group found the home away from home at our house. Because living in the country, there was always trees and forests to explore. And there was also hay rides and bonfires and corn roasts. 
Granted, we weren't always perfect. And our kids can tell you we weren't perfect. So consequently, we didn't raise perfect kids either. But I would like to think that we, looked, that we raised them with what we learned from God along the way without having a manual or a warranty where we could return them if defective. The only thing we had was God's word and the heritage of having Christian parents. We did could point them to the Savior when we didn't have all the answers of life. But I am so happy and my greatest thrill in raising them was not making any of them a trophy in any of the things that they had accolades for. But the greatest thing in life for me was to see each one of them accept Christ as their own personal Savior and to be baptized. One of them even in a muddy pond like their mother was. When they all were married, I learned that love grows and multiplies even when it's being divided because wonderful in-law children came along and I could love on also someone else's child and attach them to my heart with heartstrings. They produced five handsome grandsons, and by then, my congregation had grown to 11. Our one grandson, Benjamin, who goes to church here, was baptized two years ago on a Sunday morning. And I didn't sit up front, but I sat in the back with tears flowing down my cheeks because I had begun to see the legacy of faith being passed on to the next generation. We try to pray for every child every day, my husband and I, after breakfast. We pray for our grandsons every day because they're all in different walks, different sports, different activities. Away at college, we have an autistic grandchild, our precious gift from God, who is now 10 years old, who I take great joy and delight in. I've realized that a mother's job is never done because we do change a badge and also we become a grandmother. However, our job description does change. We certainly can't rush to their homes and kiss away all their boo-boos when they become grown men, although they still appreciate a sound, a hug from mom when they're feeling down. And we can't meddle. That's part of the new job description. It's not our choice. It's their choice for their lives, even the spouse that they married. They still need our prayer support, though, moms and aunts and grandmas because they never get over needing you in their corner. When everybody else seems as though the chips is down, you're still there saying, hooray, that's my child. We may be hurt. We may be disappointed when they make different choices than we would have made for them in their lives. But we take that to God, and we ask God to pick up where we have to leave off. I want you to be encouraged to keep on your knees if you're praying for a child or many children or a loved one. There's an old song that goes, Prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door. One of my favorite verses comes from Joshua, Joshua 24:15. Choose you this day whom you shall serve, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. My kids won't ever forget that. Because it's in the bathroom, it's upstairs in the hall, it's in their living room, it's on many things. And I hope that they will remember that, that they were raised in a household of faith, even when they had screwy moms and dads who were old-fashioned and didn't quite understand them at the time. 
And so as being the experienced older mother, those are just some of my experiences of growing old. And I hope I have a while yet to grow older and share more things in their life especially. But if one day I do leave, and I would be blessed to know what I did leave behind, I wish somehow that God would let me know that my children just didn't remember me as mom who was a good cook, who they liked to brag about, or who tried to make holidays extra special and gave them Easter baskets till into their 30s and 40s. But I'd like for them to remember not a mom who was just a professional mom as a sign language teacher, but a mom whose main profession was being a mom who will always be a mom, and they'll have to forgive me for that. I hope they'll remember hearing that I was a mom that began to pray for them the day they were born, all through their lives. And hopefully I will have, when that time comes to pass, left them that legacy of faith that came to me from my grandmother Lona to my mother Lillian, To me, Luetta, Gross, and to my children and my children's children. For all of you here today that are moms by birth, moms by adoption, foster moms, an aunt who mothers, or just a kind neighbor who loves children and helps, God bless you all, and happy Mother's Day. Isn't that great? Uh, let's do it again, shall we? Grow these two ladies. <clears throat> I'm going to continue to rattle on for about ten more minutes this morning as we think of mothers. I think of my mother. <clears throat> um, on her 85th birthday... We three sons, I have an older brother who's eight years older than I am. He's in the lumber business, still works hard. My middle brother used to be in car salesmanship. Uh, Now he's a farmer, and of course I'm still trying to catch up to these two guys. But we met in a place called Galt, Ontario. And it was there that my mother spoke to us about her life and what she'd been through. See, Mom gave birth to three boys. She also raised about 75 foster children. And, of course, um, went through the loss of her husband, who was a strong person. And there was a lot of loneliness that she endured after Pop had died, and there were some difficulties there. But to see Mom reflect on God's grace in her life was a tremendous uh, healing thing for us uh, three sons. Interestingly enough, uh, three months after that on my birthday, my mother died. And that happened about 20 years ago. In fact, 20 years ago in five months. All of us have uh, stories that we can give about Mom. 
can't we? But for a few moments, I want to look at uh, Psalm 23 and just make a couple of concluding comments from uh, the Scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. He covers everything. Think of moms in very difficult places today in Iraq, in India, China. Uh, some of the difficulties of what moms have gone through even the last couple of weeks in Erie with some of the crime that we've seen. But God is able by his grace as the great shepherd to cover it all at the same time. And his grace and his mercy and the way he shepherds, nothing is amiss. He does it perfectly. And by faith in our own mothering, we can recognize the fact that we shall lack nothing. Makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Back home on the farm, we had a brook that uh, flowed through our land. And it was very interesting. In a special place, the, the creek was about four feet across and flowed very slowly. But the water was pure, and we can still drink from it today, of course. But as we looked at that water to take a drink, when you opened your eyes, the water became a brook and you could see yourself. And yet as the water flowed very slowly, we could see sufficient of God's grace in the flowing of that creek that there was hope for us, that we as boys, mom, could see forgiveness and see hope and see change and wisdom and strength. Nothing wrong with kind of looking at ourselves. We see in growing way how God sees us as the great shepherd, cares for his sheep. And out of that vital relationship with Christ, also a shepherd, seeing ourselves, Pouring our hearts out to Him. God's grace, of course, is sufficient. He restores my soul. Guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. When I think of Psalms 23, just uh, being a little personal, I remember doing this psalm for two funerals. One was a murder and two weddings in the same day. Fear no evil. God's grace is sufficient. He's always with us. Think of your particular situation this morning, maybe just so vitally blessed, comforted in the loss of a mother or a wife. He prepares us a table in the presence of my enemies. There's sufficient at his table as the great shepherd to comfort us, to strengthen us, to make sense out of issues and things. Autism, heard this morning. 
always a challenge. We have others with similar needs. God is the great shepherd, loves that child, gives strength, sufficient meal at the table. And there's so much out there to say, let's do that. But the great shepherd prepares table food for now, for tomorrow, for the next month, for the next decade, and eternity. That we can be a gracious, God-giving mother. Prior to mothering, of course, as we relate to the table, is a good, loving husband. Becomes a team. Ben is going to talk about that in June, of course. Think of your child maybe bullied this past week. Enemies. Pretty deep stuff. The quietness of the food by the Spirit at the table. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The presence of God resides in us. Think of it. God controls the universe. All that's taking place in the gulf of this oil what's taking place in some of these difficult countries and the abuse of women. We can dwell with God forever. We don't understand this stuff, but somehow, and this is the way out of my league, somehow, God is able to reveal His intimate truth to a mom to bring comfort and strength and a sense of well-being to a child. It's an amazing thing. It's a picture of God's intimate grace and person to us. Each step in our journey, it prepares us to live in God's house someday forever. I'm looking for the day when I can sit beside Mom in heaven and see what God has done. Recall when I was a boy, not very old, and she called me a brat. You see, I got a hold of Mom's flower sifter. It was about that high. It seemed like that high when I was about three or four years old. It was about that high, and I filled it full of flour. And I sifted it all over the house. <laughs> There's a stool over there, and that reminds me of a story, because uh, she picked me up and said, You brat, and set me on that stool, and said, You sit there for a while. And what I said to my mother was this, I'm going to preach someday. I'm going to preach someday. And I just kept rolling that off my tongue. It's amazing how the table is set from crazy issues. From issues that we cannot handle. But His grace through prayer is enough.
And we can rest in those principles because God is the great shepherd, cares for his sheep. I shall not want. We can look at ourselves. We can get healed by the oil. But he prepares us for life forever. Amen.